Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Martin's Barbecue downtown. Touchdown, Titans! This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. With your host, Jason Martin, senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, and former Titans pro bowler, Mark Mariani. From the official station of the Titans, 104.5 The Zone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here is a set of four sequential numbers that all mean something to the Tennessee Titans today, and they may also mean something to you if you're listening to us. One, that's all that was needed to tie the Los Angeles Chargers with 31 seconds left after Marcus Mariota found Luke Stocker on fourth and goal. Two, that's the conversion choice Titans head coach Mike Vrabel decided to go with twice in a row, both originally and after the ball was moved a yard closer following a penalty. Three and four. The Titans record after that decision did not work. It came down to one play, one decision, and one call. And it didn't pan out for the Titans on Sunday overseas in London. It was a game that saw some good, it saw some bad It saw its share of ugly, but it was definitely dramatic, which is unlike a lot of the London games have been. And in the end, the once 3-1 and Tennessee Titans are now 3-4 and as they enter the bye week and look ahead to Monday night football in two weeks against the Dallas Cowboys, who today acquired Amari Cooper from the Oakland Raiders for a first-round draft pick. From 0-1 to 3-1 to a pretty ugly 3-3, to a disappointing 3-4 and four after yesterday's loss in a game that appeared winnable. That's, unfortunately, where we begin with Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, joined as always by senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani. I am Jason Martin. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. If you have not had a chance to sound off today, And you may have. A lot of you have been calling with thoughts on this. Before we talk about the call and the decision and anything individually, Jim, I know it was a wonderful trip. I've talked to numerous people that made it and and loved everything about it right up until the very end. It it was an incredible experience, I think, for the franchise, for people that that made the trip. I mean, and I certainly enjoyed being there and being a part of it. I, mean, I hear from people that, you know, follow people on social media, people that follow the team on a pretty regular basis. And, uh, and I've seen these games that, from London and see the enthusiasm there. But to see it firsthand and just to meet some of the people uh, you know, during the course of the week, these people from London, from Germany, you know, from places all over that part of the world that don't get a chance to come to Nashville, Tennessee, it was pretty remarkable, and then on game day, just the turnout from not only fans across the, the NFL, but Titans fans that were there. Uh, it was a great experience, and, and it's a wonderful city. Uh, you know, the Titans practice setting on Friday leading up to the game was, was unlike any certainly I'd ever seen before. 
and I thought the team was focused and, and ready to play. I mean, it was, the ending was not what anybody had in mind. Uh, shouldn't have come down the ending because, you know, you have an interception in the red zone. You have some drop passes. Uh, you give up a couple of – you play well on defense, but you give up a couple of uh, long touchdown passes. And as a result of that, it comes down to a play that, that we're certainly – people are going to debate all the way until this team plays – against the Cowboys in two weeks. But as far as the trip itself, it's a it's a lot of work. The ops crew put a lot of work in. It's an exhausting trip. I know guys didn't sleep a lot leading up to the game, but uh, but but as far as being ready to play, I thought the team was ready to play, and uh, I'd love to see, see the trip again. Yeah, one thing that Coach Dave McGinnis, who was in the studio with us earlier today, he showed me a video off his phone of the rendition of God Save the Queen. Mm-hmm. And he said it was one of the most amazing things. He's, he's like, you know, I've been in a few sporting events in my day. And he said the hair stood up on the back of his neck while he listened to it. And he showed it to me, and it blew my mind. And just like looking around, he kind of gave a panoramic view with his phone. 84,000 people. I don't think there's anywhere in the country Titans Chargers could draw 84,000 people in the United States. Those folks were ready. They're all wearing different jerseys. It's almost like a... It's almost like a real celebration of the NFL. That's what Clay Travis told me this morning. I think that's right. He was there as well with his family. It seemed like everybody was just salivating for the National Football League. And, Mark, they got a pretty dramatic football game yesterday. Yeah, I think for the first time all year, right, we had a close game, and it looked like an electric atmosphere, you know, something that, unfortunately, for I, selfishly, I never got to experience as a player. Right. Would have absolutely loved that. But I, what really just resonated with me, what Jim just said was, kind of something that I forgot was it's not just people from you know England, the UK who are coming in. It's people from all over Europe that are coming in to see these games, whether, you know, Germany, Spain, whatever. Uh, what an awesome environment. And, and you can see why, uh, you know, you can see why the NFL is, you know, teetering with the idea to branch out a little bit. But uh, just from sitting at home on the couch watching, you could tell it was really electric. And I actually saw the same thing uh, that Coach Max uh, saw. That, that rendition of God Save the Queen was, <laughs> was amazing. She was phenomenal. So all around, an awesome day. And I wish, you know, if we would have came home with that W, it would have made the trip uh, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how it went. So that's where we have to start. We have to start with the end of the game. That's what has been the debate across Music City all day today. It's been actually debated across national circles as well. I think I'm in the minority on this. I feel like I will be disagreed with at this very table. I know I was when I was hosting the Midday 180 earlier. Nothing to lose, to me, does not apply when you're moving the football the way that the Titans were, especially in the second half, and the way the defense... Look, the defense gave up some chunk plays. There's no question about that. But generally, they were playing relatively well in the second half, the way I saw it against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Is there a risk in giving him a chance to beat you in overtime? Sure, of course there is. But to me, there's also a gigantic risk in pushing all your chips to the center of the table when you don't have the nuts in your hand. There were ways to lose on the river, and the Titans chose to pass and make it much easier for that loss to happen. It was not desperation. You were succeeding. This was, we can't beat them football more than it was, we're better than them and we can win it right now football. If it was the latter, why not go for the sneak or something less ridiculous than a pass to someone as inconsistent yesterday as Taewon Taylor was? I understand being aggressive, and I know that's what Mike Vrabel's going to do, and I like that. I'm glad that that's his M.O. To me, this was unnecessary aggression in my eyes. And now that I've said that, let me lay out a stat that completely contradicts what I said, and then I'll let you guys tee off on me. Since 1994, NFL teams going for two 
in a do-or-die situation like yesterday are 5-13. and 13. That was entering the game. Now it's 5-14. and 14. But it was basically 39.5% of the time it has worked. That's not really terrible odds. It's not as bad as you might think, but it just seemed like something you don't do there. You're confident, you make a decision, and you stick to it if you're Mike Brabel, but then you go with a slant to Taewon Taylor in the back of the end zone, which to me makes no sense. Where are you at on this, Jim? Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I wonder what the odds would be if you move that ball up a, a yard and put it at the one-yard line. Yeah. Uh, I would think the odds would go up, which is my thinking on this, and I believe I've seen both sides from the time this game ended. Uh, whether to go for it, whether to play to overtime, I, I'm in the corner that uh, certainly – I would have gone for it and gone for the win. And I think that's how Mike Vrabel's been as a head coach. It kind of speaks to how he's been going forward inside his own territory, trying fake punts inside his own territory, going for it instead of kicking it and playing for a tie in overtime. Uh, that's kind of who, who he is. And when you get down there and you have the ball at the one-yard line, I think your chances of winning the game are pretty pretty high, uh, especially with the way the Titans were moving the football. The last thing you want to do, in my mind, Kick the extra point, give it to Rivers, who has a chance to, to, you know, still 31 seconds left, a couple of timeouts to get yourself in a position to kick a field goal, or get into an overtime situation, uh, lose the coin toss, and give it to a guy who's already thrown a 75-yard touchdown pass and a 55-yard touchdown pass uh, because of busted coverages, and you never get the ball back. Uh, so, so you, you know, I, I think Mike Vrabel's stance was let's play to win it. Now, was it the right call? I mean, that's certainly you can debate it. Well, it's easy, it's easy to bury him now, and I, I get that. It's easy for me to come out here and say this now because if it works, then we're not obviously going to yep. say it. Although when I first saw it, I said, I, this is not what I would do. That's how I felt when I was watching it. The only thing that, and people have been making the argument, you made the extra argument, which is, or go to overtime with it. The ones that are like, well, you know, if you, kick the, if you go for one and then there's still time for him to get a field goal, yeah, there's time for him to get a field goal if you get two also. And you're only going to be up one point either way. So the field goal is going to beat you whether or not you go for one or you go for two. I just, the all or nothing there, just I felt like you could beat them at overtime if you're the Tennessee Titans the way you're moving the ball. Dion was playing great football yesterday. I liked a lot of what I saw from Marcus yesterday. Tajay played very well. And then there were other guys out there, Mark. Well, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that Coach Rabel is aggressive. Uh, he, he's a leader, and he, he goes for it. He puts the faith in his players. Uh, going forward on fourth and one, guys love it, pushing the ball, pushing the envelope. Uh, but I'm on the opposite side of this, and I think I'm with you, J. Mart. Uh, the way that we dominated the second half, the way things were going, they came out of the locker room in the second half and hit a 55-yard touchdown pass over the top of us again for the second time on the day. But for the most part, our defense was playing great. We were running the ball. We ran the ball down uh, to get suck up a shot, obviously missed, dropped two passes and made it a long field goal. But then right when we got the ball back again, you know, from the 11-yard line with four and a half left, we drove down the field. Uh, I thought the momentum was all in our corner. And, uh, but that being said, I don't, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with going for it. Now we, now we debate the second part of this, and I am extremely... Uh, not okay I, with that. I was extremely not okay uh, with the second play call. And I, and I thought, once you got the penalty and got down to the one... Uh, my wife can attest to this. I, I'm not very, I, I don't get too emotional. I kind of yeah. even keel. When I saw that play call, I totally lost it. And, and I was yelling at my TV, probably louder. I was sort of embarrassed afterwards. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, where did that come from? But uh, I could not believe uh, that, we, that we tried that particular throw in that situation with a yard to go. Um, 
but I, I think I think just the way that we were moving the ball, running the ball, finally, uh, we needed to push that ball behind Taylor Lewan or, or somebody from the one yard line and get this thing. If you want to go for two, or at least keep it in Marcus's hands. If you get him on the edge, you've got a shot. If you sneak it with him, sneaks are really, really high effective in terms of percentage with one yard or less to go. It's not used nearly as much as it could be. If I'm doing it, I'm leaving it in Marcus's hands. We forget that dude is 6'4". He's got strength, not to mention he had made plays already on the day. Well, I'll even say this. I'll go as far as this. I, I wish they would have ran a certain play. It was third and one uh, back by, in R25 on that game-winning drive. We ran a play where we put Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis in the yeah, backfield. Right. And we ended up giving the ball to Derrick Henry. But on that pull, I thought to myself, man, if Marcus pulls this, you got the threat of Derrick Henry going straight up the middle for that third and one. Or Marcus pulling it to the outside with Deion Lewis at his back. It's like, that is a dangerous combination right there. I love that play. We, we had a successful third and one. I hope that's in our bag of tricks moving forward. Uh, but just seeing them try to throw that ball to Taewon Taylor, who you hit on it, was a little bit inconsistent through the day. I didn't agree with that. 20-19 to 19 was the final. We are off and running here on Monday Night Titans. 615-737-1045. Scott and Rick will lead off with you next. We'll continue to break that decision down. We'll talk about Derrick Henry. We'll talk about the secondary. We'll get into all of it here before we're done. This is Monday Night Titans presented by Geico, live from Martins on 4th and Barbecue here on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back. Monday edition of the Big Six means it's Monday Night Titans presented by Geico. Right here on 104.5 The Zone, Jim Wyatt, Mark Mariani with me. I'm Jason Martin. Jim's at J. Wyatt Sports. Mark's at Mark Mariani 80. I'm at Jmart Zone. 615-737-1045 to join us. So let's talk about Derrick Henry for just a minute because I know that you have a point here, Mark, that I want you to get to. This year's numbers, 10 carries, 26 yards, 18 for 56, 18 for 57, 8 for 24, 11 for 56 a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo, 7 for 21, 12 for 33. 88 carries, 273 yards total, a 3.3-yard average, which is mainly because he averaged 5.1 in the Buffalo loss. He hasn't hit higher than 3.2 in any other game. He's got one touchdown. He's got six catches for 49 yards, two for 32 yesterday, so four for 17 outside of that. Question asked by one of the callers earlier today on the Midday 180 where I was lucky and blessed enough to be filling in for the guys. And this is... I don't know, it's sort of an unfair question to ask, but I think it's one that's intriguing, to say the least. Which former Heisman winner on the Titans roster is going to last the longest? Marcus Mariota or Derrick Henry? We take so many comments from people on the station. I'm sure, Jim, you take it via social media and your mailbag at everything at TitansOnline.com saying he needs 25 carries a game. That's how Derrick Henry can succeed. It's attrition. Didn't you see him at Alabama? This NFL does not have backs that run 25 times a game. It, almost nobody does it. There were only two backs that had 20 carries yesterday, and it was Lamar Miller and I can't even remember the other guy right offhand, but it was, it was just, just two guys. Nobody, not Zeke, not Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's only had 20 carries, I think, twice this season. So if you think that Derrick Henry needs 25, 30 carries to succeed, that means he's not particularly viable in this NFL. So that's an argument I'm getting tired of people making about Derrick Henry. 
Well, I mean, you can get 25 carries a game maybe if you're productive every time you're getting the ball. Unfortunately for him, I mean, those numbers kind of speak for themselves. It hasn't been real effective uh, most Sundays. And, you know, that, that's a big argument about the two-point call we are talking about, you know, earlier, and I'm sure we're going to address moving forward, is why not give the ball to Derrick Henry at the one-yard line? And I get that argument. It worked at the one-yard line earlier, but a lot of times it not worked. Uh, you know, Mike Vrabel's asked about Derrick Henry again today. What do you think about his production, you know, so far seven games in? He hasn't been critical of him. He kind of turns it to, hey, I've got to be better. Everybody's got to be better. But clearly, Derrick Henry's got to get back to doing what he did at the end of last season against the Chiefs in that game. And unfortunately, we haven't seen a lot of that. And you can't give the ball, the guy, the football 25 times a gear, 25 times a game if you're not productive and you're having a lot of third and long situations as a result. Well, I, and I think, too, the, the coaching staff has a has a dilemma. If you take him off the field, you take or you take put him on the field, then you got to take Deion Lewis off the field, who's been very productive. Like we just talked about, they had a set that I thought was very threatening and 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 really impressive when they were both on the field this week. Uh, but I think overall, Derrick Henry's performance has definitely been disappointing. I mean, I, I think that for me, watching him run, he's been a little passive, a little bit tentative, and it leads to some of these you know, one and two yard carries when he needs to just go fall forward for three or four, go fall forward. Uh, you know, and I think it has to do with his style. And I think he needs to understand uh, what his role is and how he can be most effective in this NFL and in this league. And that is, and we talked about it over the break, go watch the second, the first carry for him in the second half where he just gets the ball and runs straight downhill. And Brandon, or Mebane was lucky to keep a hold of him and get him down for a six yard rush. I thought to myself, if the light bulb just went off in Derrick Henry's head and he went, wow, I can do that every time I touch the ball, I think he only got three or four more carries the rest, rest of the day, but he could be unbelievably scary running downhill. You put him in a thunder and lightning situation with Deion Lewis, and it would be very, very hard. But you're right. He has been, very, he has been, he's been underperforming, and I think it has to do with his mindset and his role running the football. Yeah, and the only other thing that people continually will point out is like, Look what he did at Alabama. Folks, he's not at Alabama anymore. He's in the yeah. NFL. You've yeah. got to let that go. As good as he was in college. Don't forget the offensive lines he played with. Don't forget the system. Don't forget he had 40 carries a game. Don't forget a lot of things. That's not to say that he's a total bum. It's to say that what you saw in Tuscaloosa is not the same thing that you're likely to see in Nashville, and you need to let that go. Not everybody that comes out of a great college or looks great in college is good in the pros. Remember Chance Warmack? Remember a lot of guys that have come out of Alabama as running backs that have not panned out in the NFL, and that's just in one position. It's not guaranteed that because you won the Heisman, you're going to be great in the pros either. We've seen many Heisman Trophy winners that can barely even get on the field, much less make a roster. Derrick Henry, there's a role for him in the league, but there's no question that he has underperformed, and there's not really any reason to defend him. And look, he's not defending himself. To his credit, he's come out and said, look, I need to play better. The only thing I can say about that is I keep hearing it. I'm kind of tired of hearing it now. It's like, I know you need to play better. We all know you need to play better. You know you need to play better. So play better. I, I, we need to stop having this comment made after every game because you're still not playing up to par. That, that to me, is the only question. Yeah, and I'm with you on the Henry Heisman Trophy reference because I, I get some of that myself, and uh, that doesn't, doesn't fly. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. You've got to produce at the NFL. I think what's frustrating, you know, when you watch him is he has had success, you know, in, in certain games, and you think, okay, you know, this is what he's capable of doing. It just hasn't happened 
week in and week out, and I think everybody expected it since this was going to be more of his show with DeMarco Murray moving on, but it just hasn't developed. I think on the bright side, Deion Lewis looked yes. great yesterday. I mean, he's, he's awesome. making guys miss. Brings an ex- he brings an extra speed, certainly, in the backfield. You'll want it to work in a tandem with a one-two punch. But if this team's going to be successful, and we've got nine games left here in the regular season, the run game's got to get going. And, uh, and uh, we've seen it in spurts. It needs to happen on a more consistent basis. No, I agree. 615-737-1045 to join us. Scott in Lebanon leads us off here tonight on Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Scott, how are you? Hey, good guys. Good. Appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. I actually didn't get to. I didn't get to watch the game. I was actually driving back from Knoxville after that debacle. But um, yeah, I, I I liked going for it. I liked the you know the guts. What I did not like at all, in a complete agreement with you guys, is I didn't like the play call. I think I think for me on a goal line with one yard, you want to give the defense the most things to think about. An empty backfield just isn't that. I think rolling out Mariota, maybe even having a two-back set or even just a one-back set, but put guys in motion and make the defense scramble around to figure out who they got to pick up because they're always going to drop somebody. All the big touchdowns you see where the games get won, some guy goes completely uncovered, and that's how they win. The other thing I'll say is I think Marcus is definitely going to be on the team longer, um, but but I, I would say my biggest disappointment was in that play it's if you go back and look at the whole season, and I remember, J-Mart, when you started, you were talking about, like, if we don't win these early games, we could end up at, you know, one and five or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. My biggest disappointment is all these close games. Go back and look at all of them. We're not playing consistently from start to finish. Like, this team can compete literally with anybody. Look how good the Chargers' record is. We competed with them. We absolutely should have beat them. We should have beat the Bills. We should have beat Miami. I mean, you can blame the, the rain on that one, but... My biggest disappointment with this team and with the coaching is get it together from start to finish and just be a solid team. Like I moved here from Charlotte three years ago, so I got to live the best and the worst yesterday with the Panthers coming back from their biggest deficit ever. They are playing more solid ball start to finish, even when they play ugly than the Panthers than the Titans are. And so I'll hang up and listen, but I appreciate y'all show. Thank you. You know, I, uh, the thing about the Panthers Look what Cam Newton did to the Philadelphia Eagles secondary, which I've made a point of on this show at least three times in a row that they're not a very good pass defense. They were down 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter and scored three touchdowns, all of them passing the ball up and down the field against that Eagles secondary. It was very impressive. Don't get me wrong. It was a really good win for the Carolina Panthers, but the Eagles might just not be very good. Well, yeah, and you could probably say that about the way the Jacksonville Jaguars are looking right now. Too. No doubt. But, it, you know, this is the NFL, too. I mean, those wins were, were huge in the moment, and they still are huge. And the Eagles and Jags, trust me, down the stretch, they'll beat some teams. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, and he touched on a couple of different things. I, mean, I think the, I'm going to go back to the play call one more time. What's unfortunate is on the initial two-point conversion, Deion Lewis was wide open. Marcus yeah. didn't see him. He's kind of rolling out, waving his arms, and just didn't see him. You get a second chance, and then... Again, you can debate what was called, you know, forever. You know, this team needs to be more consistent, needs to win. Nobody's happy to be sitting at three and four right now. And I do, you know, agree that the line of got to get better kind of gets old and, and we're closing on the halfway point. I think what's important you can't lose sight of is a lot of times teams will kind of find their way early in the season. It's all about trying to build momentum, getting hot late. 
the way the division's shaped shaped up. I mean, the Jacksonville looks bad, and, and now they're getting ready to make a London trip. Houston, uh, I'm still not sold that they're uh, going to be as good as everybody thought they were going to be. So this division is still there for the taking. This team just has to get some momentum, and uh, I still think it's capable. Uh, you know, caller said this team compete with anybody. It didn't compete with Baltimore. I think that's the nah. one game this year that we can say was uh, was a wipeout. But the game in Miami team kind of let it get away. The Buffalo game was you know, was a disaster. Yesterday's another one of those games where if you make a play, any one of five plays, you'll win. And uh, the team needs to get some consistency and start doing it. Well, we know who makes plays. Mark Mariani makes plays. Jim Wyatt makes plays. 104.5 The Zone makes plays. We'll make more plays. You can make plays at 615-737-1045. Back in a moment. Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. So... It's 104.5 The Zone. It's presented by Geico. It's part of the Big Six. It's Jim Wyatt. It's Mark Mariani. It's Jason Martin with you. 615-737-1045. A little under the pressure. War on drugs bringing us back. Luckily, Marcus was not under the pressure like he was against the Baltimore Ravens. Took two sacks yesterday, but certainly not 11 sacks like he did the week before. The wide receivers. There was a stat that came out that ESPN put out earlier today. They have the second highest drop rate in the NFL right now. Only Cleveland is worse. They are 6.3% drop right now are the Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis had three catches for 10 yards yesterday. Since the 15-grab, 161-yard performance against Philadelphia, Corey Davis has eight catches for 83 yards in three games. Two of those catches combined for 47 means the other six gave him 36. And that's it. He's got 30 catches for 395 yards and one touchdown. Taewon Taylor has made a couple of plays, but he's had some drops. He had a bad drop yesterday. Corey Davis had a bad drop outside the numbers trying to make some kind of one-handed deal that you expect the fifth pick in the draft to make. Marcus made a few bad throws, but he made a lot of good throws as well. The interception was not a good decision, and he got victimized. And it finally ends this 41-0 and streak inside the red zone, which eventually was going to end, and I was tired of hearing about it anyway. So it's all right. But the one guy in a Titans uniform that I trust as a wide receiver right now wears number 19, and that's Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp, multiple times in this game, third and ten, third and ten, second down and eight, third and long, over and over again. He got 16, he got 18, he got 13. He got whatever you needed. He would get past the sticks and then some and make plays. He's the one guy, and it wasn't just yesterday. I've seen this over the last two or three games. When they need a guy to make a play over the middle because Marcus loves to throw between the hash marks. He doesn't throw outside the numbers very often. I'd like to see that change. But Tajay Sharp has been the one guy that's been semi-reliable for him in the receiving core, Mark. Yeah, it was fun to see, man. Tajay, he can be that guy. And we sat here last week and talked about somebody in that room needs to step up and go throw me the ball. And, and I think we saw that yesterday. We saw that, I think, sitting on the couch. And I think I heard him say that. Yeah. Uh, and so... You know, and he did a great job working the middle of the field, which you said. I think he, I think he went out there, and every single time we had a longer completion, you just knew you were going to see 19's name flash. Uh, so all the love to Tajay, man. He needs to keep, continue to be that, build on that, be consistent, be that guy. We need to make sure that he, he's in the game plan every week because he's a dog, he's a warrior. Now to the other guys. I couldn't believe when your quarterback's out there doing his thing, try, trying to win you a ball game, especially when the, when the game is on the line, two very well-thrown balls go through your hands. 
and, and you just kind of go, you're just kind of dumbfounded as a Titans fan. Like, what are we doing? These guys are w- running wide open. He puts it right, right on their numbers. Uh, and so that was very, it was very tough to watch and disappointing. But to, to, to beat a dead horse that's laying over here on the ground, that's who we end up throwing the two-point conversion to. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, I, I, I expect more from that room. I, I think those three guys can, can be enough. I think that they're, they're talented and they have enough potential to get the job done. Uh, Tajay was a, was a man among boys yesterday out there making plays. Uh, but you need more. You need more out of Corey Davis, and you need more out of Taewon Taylor, or else uh, we're going to have to go out and look for somebody else. Yeah, and the question is, I mean, and Mark can answer this better than I can, certainly playing the position. I mean, I, I asked Mike Vrabel at the press conference, what can you do to a receiver who's dropping passes? I mean, how do you keep that from happening? And he even said himself, it's like, you know, catching the ball from a jug machine is kind of like hitting off of a, a, a pitching machine. You know what's coming. And uh, you've got to put pressure on these guys in practices. And he said he's going to do his part to kind of add pressure, do different things to make make them make physical catches, to make it as close to a game-like situation as possible. But it all comes down to concentration, catching the football. And I think everybody's been guilty. I mean, Tajay has been, was really, really good on Sunday. There's no question. I think we saw some of what we saw from him in 2016 where he was good as a rookie but uh he was guilty of a dropper of the season Corey davis has been with mission taiwan taylor was nick williams who's now on this team john, john Smith. Sure, I mean, yeah so guys have got to start catching the football and i'm gonna serve it to mark here i mean what what is it you can do as a receiver to keep that from happening in a game yeah i mean i think it, at some point it just purely becomes mental yeah, and yeah. uh and, and and you know it's like a, how does a hitter get out of a slump you just got to go to work you just got to grind you got to take you got to take uh, drills, and you got to do them over and over and over. Uh, you got to catch the ball with your eyes. Randy Moss taught me that way long ago, and uh, I, don't, I mean it's it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to coach because at some point you know these guys have the tools. They've done it all week in practice, but the mental part has to get there. And I mean, I, I hate to even go there, but you you kind of you kind of go well n- if these guys can't do it, who who's going to do it? Who are we going to bring in to do this? And, and uh, I just think. I'm a, still a believer that this group has enough talent uh, with with Corey Davis and with Taewon and, and Tajay. They just need to get consistent. Maybe a week off will help uh, and just go out there and make plays and, and just be those guys we know we, they, <laughs> that they can be. I do think it. I do think it's mental. I mean, think about you know Markel Fultz, number one pick in the NBA draft last year for the Sixers. It couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Couldn't even get on the floor. And now he's out there, and you see him. You know, all lathered up there in practice, making a thousand threes, and he can't make anything when he comes into the game. It's just, it's in his head. And I think Taewon Taylor, the ball's coming to him, and he's just like, "Don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it, boom!" And it's off yeah. him, and it's gone. Yeah. And he's, and they've seen this in Titans uniform all season. They saw Nick Williams do it. Now, now Nick Williams is in a Rams uniform, making two catches yesterday off of Jared Goff throws. Johnu Smith bounces off him. It gets into his head. I can't do this. I got to. I got to be better for my team. He's out there trying to practice. I do think it becomes a mental thing. But eventually, if it's a mental thing, you got to get it fixed, or you've got to find somebody else. Exactly. That's that's that is the concern. I would suggest when it gets to that. Brady in Nashville is up next here on Monday Night Titans. Brady, how are you tonight? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. I was just um, watching the game in that two-point conversion kind of made me think about the fourth and one where we just gave it to Derrick Henry and let him run and jump as far and high as he can and why we didn't go back to that because whoever meets him in the air is probably going to lose. Like I think Mark said earlier, he's a downhill runner, um, and we just keep 
running ball, running from the shotgun with him instead of maybe trying to help him get ahead of steam to hit the hole a lot harder. So I was wondering if y'all could maybe talk about that, ways we can kind of maybe work the two back set a little bit more efficiently and how to get Derek kind of running downhill instead of that little delayed run from the shotgun because he doesn't have quick feet like Deion Lewis does to be able to squeeze through those gaps. I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, we've hit on Derrick Henry and certainly what he needs to do better. I mean, the caller mentioning getting him airborne. I mean, you're losing your your ability to drive and hit the hole if you put him in the air. I go back to Henry again. I mean, I think if you run Derrick Henry and it doesn't work in this situation, you're going to hear, well, while you're running this guy, he hasn't been real effective. I know, again, it worked on the, on the goal line play from the one-yard line, but He's not proven, just to be honest, that he can do it on a consistent no. basis. So then you say, well, why don't you give the ball to Deion Lewis? He was your best back on Sunday. That doesn't work. Then you say, well, why are you giving it to your 5'8 running back? I yeah, mean, when you've got so, Derrick Henry in yeah, the backfield, so, it becomes a second-guess game when it doesn't work. So you can play that game you know, forever with those backs. I mean, again, Henry, the hope and the expectation is they can kind of get him rolling uh, during the second half of this season, uh, what's it going to take for that to happen? I think part of it starts with having the same offensive line week in and week out. Again, I thought Corey Levin did a great job filling in for Quint Spain Agreed. Uh, yesterday. But, you know, Jack Conklin still is not the Jack Conklin yet. I know Mike Vrabel talked about that today. Now you deal with an injury to Josh Klein. You just have so many moving parts, and that's part of the reason I think the run game has not been as effective as, it, as everybody thought it would be. Well, and one quick point, and then we'll get off Derrick Henry, but – that's what I was talking about earlier in the show is, to me, a guy like that, has, as physical as he is and as gifted as he is and as much talent as he has, sometimes just throws scheme out the window. He needs to get it in his mind and start running behind his pads with some power, and I don't think he has been doing that this year. I, don't think, I think he's been running passive. I think he has been had his feet moving too much in the hole and trying to you know, just get squeezed through there and get out the other side. When finally he started coming straight downhill with some speed, and when you hit the hole, you have to accelerate through it. If you're decelerating and you're trying to pick your way through it, you're going to fall forward for two yards. But he needs to understand that in this offense, and especially in this league, hitting the hole hard and moving the pile for three or four yards every time, not only is that effective running, but that equates to your fourth, your fifth, your sixth carry, you're going to come straight at the others, out the other side because nobody wants to tackle you. So it has, I don't think, it, with, with, with Derrick Henry's problems, I think it has less to do with scheme and, and a fullback and, you know, straight downhill or pitching it to him, whatever, and more to do with his mindset and his ability to go, get aggressive and to hit the hole hard, and that's what I hope happened on well, Sunday. Well, we're talking a lot about people needing new mindsets and getting out of their own head. Maybe the bye week's coming at the right time. we got one more break. We'll come back. This is Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment, Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani with me, also senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt. Joining me, thanks for your contributions at 615-737-1045 tonight. The secondary, we haven't really talked about them. We'll talk a little Dallas, and maybe we'll take another call or two. But the secondary was victimized for, for explosive plays yesterday. But one thing that you knew going in is when Melvin Gordon was not in the game, the run defense should have taken advantage of his absence. And they did. You had Wesley Woodyard back. He played very well. Jalen Brown's really impressing me yep. right now. He is really starting to step up. I like what I saw from the rookie Evans 
yesterday. He's playing better and better every week. So you think about the big plays. 75 yards to Tyrell Williams on the first play of the game. Touchdown. Keenan Allen gets 24 and 17 on the second drive. Field goal. Tyrell Williams gets 26 on the third drive. That leads to a punt, though. Mike Williams' opening drive of the second half, 55 yards. Touchdown. We saw it. Logan Ryan was caught looking at the wrong thing. Kendrick Lewis didn't look like he knew exactly who he was supposed to be covering. Victimized by both Williams, Tyrell and Mike. Third and seven gets 13 for Allen on the drive that gave the Chargers their final field goal. But I just named pretty much all the plays that the Chargers had in the game that weren't solidly defended. This was not a terrible day by the secondary by any means, especially considering what Rivers has done to just about everybody that they played this year. You don't like those big plays, but overall the defense gave you enough yesterday to win that football game. Yeah, and, and not having Gordon obviously killed you know, the Chargers. Oh, that's, that's pretty much their devastating. offense going in. So you had to like your chances, but you can't give up the big plays. I had a guy on Twitter this morning coming hard at me about Malcolm Butler. What's he doing? Why is he still on the team? You know, this guy ought to get cut, giving up deep balls every week. Well, this wasn't Malcolm Butler. I mean, that, that's – No. <laughs> He, he was a guy you didn't hear from uh, much yesterday. Unfortunately, you know, they got Logan one time, who I thought is, I think has played well for the most part of the season, made a big play late. Uh, Kendrick Lewis lets a guy get behind him. I mean, those, those are the kind of things you can't have happen. Defensively, the team did do well other than those two plays. Unfortunately, you can't take those two plays out. Those two plays cost you a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, huge. I mean, they're big plays, so there were some lapses there and some gaps, and Look, you saw the story come out that they were looking for one kind of coverage on that first play. As soon as they saw it, Rivers looked to the sideline to Wisenhunt, of all people, which is just going to drive Nashville insane <laughs> Yeah, that I have to mention that, and basically said, we got him, and then, bomb, touchdown. Well, I, I think that first play, and I think Logan Ryan would say the same, he, he, his, his eyes got to be better. That can't happen. Uh, Phillip Rivers pumps him to the corner, and he leaves his man for just for a second, and Tyrell Williams takes it to the house. Uh, and, and that's tough, and you're right, you can't throw those plays out. But I thought our defense played great. Uh, I think that they uh, have been playing great all year. More consistent, I should say. You know, giving up 20 to this crew wasn't a bad effort, but, you know, you're going out there going, that 20 should have been, you know, 13 or whatever. Uh, and then the second one, I actually watched it over and over because I thought it was so well designed. Uh, Kendrick Lewis's, I mean, Kendrick Lewis's eyes, I thought, were in the right spot. But the way that those two, uh, Antonio Gates and Mike Williams, released, I mean, it was drawn up so perfectly, and unfortunately we have to give more kudos to Coach Wisenhut. Yeah. But, but, I mean, that was a tough play, and I'll, and I'll explain it more, but it's just that was, that was, you know, he was only nine yards on the line of scrimmage. By the time, by the time Mike Williams got to him, he was flat-footed and had to turn, and he was gone. Uh, it was a really good play call, and, and unfortunately we were in the perfect coverage for it. But I just I, I like our defense, man. I have confidence in them. I think that every week they keep get, they give us a chance to win. Uh, they stopped the the Chargers when we needed the ball back twice uh, and gave us a chance to win the game. And unfortunately, we got taken over the top twice and got two touchdowns. But I got a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in those guys. And and I really believe that uh, when Marcus and the offense you know start clicking a little more, we're gonna have a two-headed monster that I think we can compete with anybody, just like our caller Scott had uh, had earlier. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with a, lot, with a lot of what you said, especially in a division that is such a crapshoot at this point. Daryl in Hendersonville, he may be our last caller tonight. Daryl, what you got for us? Hey, gentlemen. First, I want to say this is a great night to be a Boilermaker, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, it happens once every 25 years, so we're happy. Yeah. 
Hey, um, you know, everything you guys have been talking about, the players and play calling and so forth, is, is, is true. And there is concern. I don't quite share Mark's uh, uh, optimism. He kind of sounds like, like Blaine Bishop before game. <laughs> but uh, I, I think we still have a lot of holes to fill. And that leads me to my comment that I'm really worried about J-Rob's ability to bring in the right guys who can stay healthy. He has limited control over that. But he knew Corey Davis had a major injury before he drafted him. Um, you know, besides uh, Conklin and uh, bringing in uh, uh, Murray as a free agent, he's had a lot of misses, and I'm really, really concerned about that. Well, John Robinson will eventually have to answer for that if they don't start to win. I think that the last bullet in the gun, the last bullet in the chambers, what Brandon Hagney said earlier on, on the Midday 180 when he was with me, he said the last, last bullet might be changing the quarterback, and that might not come until after next season. He has made some other good moves. I mean, he has brought Deion Lewis in, and I think that that was a good move. He has done some other things for this football team that you like. But is he batting a 1,000? No. I, I think that we know that. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't understand the caller's point about Corey Davis. Yeah. No, he drafted him with a major injury. He was drafted him with a hamstring injury, and it sidelined him as a rookie season, and injuries have not been an issue for him as a, as, as a second-year guy. What he needs to do is just continue to develop. I think a lot of these draft picks – that John Rimes has had are guys that you know will develop into really good players, and I think these guys, a lot of guys, I look at that he's picked recently, whether it's you know Dory Jackson or Jack Conklin, uh, these guys are going to turn out to be really good pros. I, I, I yes. look at some of his draft classes, and I, I don't see where he's made a lot of swings and misses. Some of these guys need to certainly continue to develop. I mean, have been a few guys. I mean, Kevin Dodd was a miss. He was but, a I mean, definite miss. Yeah, yes. and they're, they're that happens. Everybody's going to have misses. I, I agree with you. I think that he has done a pretty good job in the draft, and a lot of the guys that he has are still on the football team and are going to be there for a while and are stalwarts. I think Adoree was a great pick, for example. We always have a blast out here. It's the bye week. I think the Titans need it. I don't think we need it. I wish we had a show next week. I don't I don't know that we will, but I'm sure that we will continue to talk Titans on the big six throughout the week. We'll talk about it on all the shows on 104.5 The Zone. The Titans are three and four, but the AFC South is still a disaster area, so you could still be fine. So all is not lost. We'll see you next week.